Chapter Twenty Three of Peter Simple. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. Peter Simple by Frederick Marriott. Chapter Twenty Three. Exalted with our success, we march through France without touching the ground. I become feminine. We are voluntary conscripts. At daybreak I called O'Brien, who jumped up in a great hurry. Sure I've been asleep, Peter. Yes, you have, replied I, and I thank heaven that you have, for no one could stand such fatigue as you have much longer, and if you fall ill, what will become of me? This was touching him on the right point. Well, Peter, since there's no harm come of it, there's no harm done. I've had sleep enough for the next week. That's certain. We returned to the wood. The snow had disappeared and the rain ceased. The sun shone out from between the clouds, and we felt warm. "'Don't pass so near that way,' said O'Brien. "'We shall see the poor creatures, now that the sun is gone. Peter, we must shift our quarters to-night, for I have been to every cabaret in the village, and I cannot go there any more without suspicion, although I am a gendarme. We remained there till the evening, and then set off, still returning toward Givet. About an hour before daylight we arrived at a copse of trees close to the roadside, and surrounded by a ditch not above a quarter of a mile from a village it appears to me said o'brien that this will do i will now put you there and then go boldly to the village and see what i can get for here we must stay at least a week we walked to the copse and the ditch being rather too wide for me to leap o'brien laid the four stilts together so as to form a bridge over which i contrived to walk tossing to me all the bundles and desiring me to leave the stilts as a bridge for him on his return he set off to the village with his musket on his shoulder he was away two hours when he returned with a large supply of provisions the best we had ever there said he we have enough for a good week and look here peter this is better than all and he showed me two large horse rugs excellent replied i now we shall be comfortable i paid honestly for all these but the rugs observed o'brien i was afraid to buy them so i stole em however we'll leave em here for those they belong to it's only borrowing after all we now prepared a very comfortable shelter with branches which we wove together and laying the leaves in the sun to dry soon obtained a soft bed to put our horse rug on while we covered ourselves up with the other our bridge of stilts we had removed so that we felt ourselves quite secure from surprise at dark to bed we went and slept soundly i never felt more refreshed during our wanderings at daylight o'brien got up now peter a little practice before breakfast what practice do you mean mean why on the stilts i expect in a week that you'll be able to dance a gavotte at least for mind me peter you travel out of friends upon these stilts depend upon it o'brien then took the stilts belonging to the man giving me those of the woman we strapped them to our thighs and by fixing our backs to a tree contrived to get upright on them but at the first attempt to walk o'brien fell to the right and i fell to the left o'brien fell against a tree but i fell on my nose and made it bleed very much however we laughed and got up again and although we had several falls at least we made a better hand of them o'brien then dressed me in the poor girl's clothes and himself in the man's they fitted very well peter you make a very pretty girl said o'brien but o'brien replied i as these petticoats are not very warm i-i mean to cut off my trousers up to my knees and wear them underneath that's all right said o'brien 
the next morning we made use of our stilts to cross the ditch and carrying them in our hands we boldly set off on the high road to malines we met several people gendarmes and others but with the exception of some remarks upon my good looks we passed unnoticed towards the evening we arrived at the village where we had slept in the outhouse and as soon as we entered it we put on our stilts and commenced a march when the crowd had gathered we held out our caps and receiving nine or ten sous we entered a cabaret many questions were asked us as to where we came from and o'brien answered telling lies innumerable i played the modest girl and o'brien who stated i was his sister appeared very careful and jealous of my attention we slept well and the next morning continued our route to malines as we entered the barriers we put on our stilts and marched boldly on the guard at the gate stopped us not from suspicion but to amuse themselves and i was forced to submit to several kisses from their garlic lips before we were allowed to enter the town we again mounted on our stilts for the guard had forced us to dismount or they could not have kissed me every now and then imitating a dance until we arrived at the grande place where we stopped opposite the hotel and commenced a sort of waltz which we had practised the people in the hotel looked out of the window to see our exhibition and when we had finished i went up to the windows with o'brien's cap to collect the money what was my surprise to perceive colonel o'brien looking full in my face and staring very hard at me what was my greater astonishment at seeing celeste who immediately recognized me and ran back to the sofa in the room putting her hands up to her eyes and crying out c'est lui c'est lui fortunately o'brien was close to me or i should have fallen but he supported me pater ask the crowd for money or you are lost i did so and collecting some pence then asked him what i should do go back to the window you can then judge of what will happen i returned to the window colonel o'brien had disappeared but celeste was there as if waiting for me i held out the cap to her and she thrust her hand into it the cap sunk with the weight i took out a purse which i kept closed in my hand and put it into my bosom celeste then retired from the window and when she had gone to the back of the room kissed her hand to me and went out the door i remained stupefied for a moment but o'brien roused me and we quitted the grand place taking up our quarters at a little cabaret on examining the purse i found fifty napoleons in it they must have been obtained from her father at the cabaret where we stopped we were informed that the officer who was at the hotel had been appointed to the command of the strong fort of bergen op zoom and was proceeding thither we walked out of the town early in the morning after o'brien had made purchases of some of the clothes usually worn by the peasantry when within a few miles of st nicholas we threw away our stilts and the clothes which we had on and dressed ourselves in those o'brien had purchased o'brien had not forgot to provide us with two large brown-coloured blankets which we strapped on to our shoulders as the soldiers do their coats it was bitter cold weather and the snow had fallen heavily during the whole day but although nearly dusk there was a bright moon ready for us we walked very fast and soon observed persons ahead of us let us overtake them we may obtain some information as we came up with them one of them they were both lads of seventeen to eighteen said to o'brien i thought we were the last but i was mistaken how far is it to st nicholas how should i know replied o'brien i am a stranger in these parts as well as yourself from what part of france do you come demanded the other his teeth chattering with the cold for he was badly clothed and with little defence from the inclement weather from montpelier replied o'brien and i from toulouse a sad change comrades from olives and vines to such a climate as this curse the conscription i intended to have taken a little wife next year 
o'brien gave me a push as if to say here's something that will do and then continued and curse the conscription i say too for i had just married and now my wife is left to be annoyed by the attention of the fermier general but it can't be helped c'est pour la france c'est pour la croix we shall be too late to get a billet replied the other and not a sou have i in my pockets i doubt if i get up with the main body till they are at flushing by our route they are at axel to-day if we arrive at st nicholas we shall do well replied o'brien but i have a little money left and i'll not see a comrade want a supper or a bed who is going to serve his country you can repay me when we meet at flushing that i will with thanks replied the frenchman and so will jacques here if you will trust him with pleasure replied o'brien who then entered into long conversation by which he drew out from the frenchman that a party of conscripts had been ordered to flushing and that they had dropped behind the main body in about an hour we arrived at st nicholas and after some difficulty obtained entrance into a cabaret vive la france said o'brien going up to the fire and throwing the snow off his hat in a short time we were seated to a good supper and very tolerable wine the hostess sitting down by us and listening to the true narratives of the real conscripts and the false one of o'brien after supper the conscript who first addressed us pulled out his printed paper with the route laid down and observed that we were two days behind the others o'brien read it over and laid it on the table at the same time calling for more wine having already pushed it round very freely we did not drink much ourselves but plied them hard and at last the conscript commenced the whole history of his intended marriage and his disappointment tearing his hair and crying now and again never mind interrupted o'brien every two or three minutes bouvons un autre pour la gloire and thus he continued to make them both drink until they reeled away to bed forgetting their printed paper which o'brien had some time before slipped away from the table we also retired to our room when o'brien observed to me peter this description is as much like me as i am to old nick but that's of no consequence as nobody goes willingly as a conscript and therefore they will never have a doubt but that it is all right we must be off early to-morrow while these good people are in bed and steal a long march upon them i consider that we are now safe as far as flushing End of chapter twenty three